Welcome to A Champion's Mind with your host, Mario Aroyave. Some say the sky's the limit. It isn't. The limit is in your mind. You believe that or else you would not be listening to this podcast. You believe that you could do more. You believe that you can perform at a higher level than you currently are. You are absolutely right. Thanks for being open-minded and allowing this podcast to help you develop a champion's mind. In this podcast, we'll discuss and hear about some mental strategies we can implement to help you achieve your utmost performance. If you feel like you're not performing at your true potential, this podcast will look to give you the keys that can open that lock. Hello, welcome to the A Champion's Mind podcast. Today I'm here with Michael Lava. He is a local cyclist, local, he lives near me. He's from the Dallas area and he rides for a team called Bicycles Plus and he is a Category 1 cyclist uh, under USA Cycle. So Michael, if you can please, can you let the listeners know in case they don't know kind of what a Category Cyclist 1, what it is? Well, uh, good afternoon, Mario. Um, thank you for uh, getting me on the podcast, by the way. Sure thing. But uh, the Category 1 cyclist, uh, I think, is your journeyman's professional, if you will. It's kind of the the working class professional. Uh, we do train full-time, 20 hours a week a lot of times, eat healthy, go to bed early, don't have a lot of friends, and uh, a lot of people focus on their careers. Personally, right now, I'm just working at a bike shop, focusing on my racing, having a good time with it. So we travel around a lot with the pros and compete against them. Just an aside for those of you that are listening to the podcast, just so y'all know, I do know, I do know Michael. I call him Lala, so I may be calling him Lala here a lot during the podcast, but I do know Lala a lot. You know, we've raced a lot for years together here in, uh, in Texas. And yeah, this is a pretty cool, uh, podcast that I'm getting to do because, because I know him. And so it's pretty neat. We've got a little bit of a connection there, rubbing elbows and, and getting some racing done together. So, all right. So Mike, tell me, tell us about your background in cycling. Well, I got into cycling at a very young age, at about 15. I got into mountain biking. My dad, we went to the bike shop. I was wanted to ride with my dad, and he, we saw the road bike I wanted to get, but I'm pretty sure he didn't want me on the road, so he just got me. We got a mountain bike instead, and I paid for it by uh, mowing grass. Uh, I started racing quickly after that, not competitively, but spiritedly, if you will. Just no rhyme or reason, just go out and race and have fun. I didn't get competitive. I guess it's a big gap. There's a big gap, but I kind of raced on and off throughout those years until about twenty when I was until I was around 27 years old. Okay, so 27 is kind of when you picked it up and started getting a little bit more serious about it. Correct. That was kind of a turning point in my life. I was 26 years old. I had a career. I got laid off from it. It was a great career in the medical industry, and decided that to future my life, I needed to go to college. When I was in the military in 2003, I went down to Texas, Wichita Falls, and got to know the team, Midwestern State University, MSU, and made a lot of good friends down there. Uh, mainly, Stefan Roth was one of my big, big friendship I made down there. And when I needed to go to school in 2007, he was still there, and I decided, what the heck, let's just go down to MSU. Interesting. And... You got on the, did you get on the team out there? Yeah, I was a, I was a category three racer, about 20 pounds heavier than I am now, but a good cat three. I was able to race my bike, uh, get scholarships, uh, to go to school at MSU. And it kind of really just opened my idea and my mind of, of training, uh, not eating a pizza and a 12 pack after I ride and just kind of, uh, 
getting a little bit more serious about it just because I had a lot of support network behind me. I feel like I needed to be a little bit more professional. Awesome. Yeah, let me ask you this because, uh, you know, for a lot of – for a lot of guys that end up going the professional ranks, you know, uh, you do the interview and they've been riding their bikes since they were, you know, 11, 12, 13, and not, well, sorry, not riding, but actually racing. And here you are, you know, 27 is when you actually pick it up and you actually go, oh man, there's, there's more to it. There's structure outside of literally just riding your bike. And then there's a lot of structure within the training and what I need to put my body through. How do you feel that you coming into the sport late like that at the age of 27, how do you feel that that's been an advantage for you? Well, I would say that first I was always an athlete. I always knew, you know, to focus on. I played hockey a lot, but being 27 years old gave me a maturity level that a lot of people don't get. I kind of saw the opportunity that was in front of me, and kind of knew I needed to take it because there's there's no other choice. I think it traveling to races, paying for races, dealing with people, sponsors, and just kind of overall the overall community gave me a huge advantage being 27 years old, just a mature athlete. But, you know, I was young at 27. I was fit, but my legs in cycling were young. So even today, you know, at 36, my legs are still young for a cyclist. And, uh, you know, they're still going strong. So I don't believe it gave me any disadvantage. I think the advantages were were quite a bit greater. You know, I was mentally stronger. Didn't have my – I do have – but I was able to, you know, overcome them a little bit more because of my maturity. And I can attest to the fact that the uh, the legs are still young and, and still on an upward trajectory. We'll get to that a little bit later here in the podcast. What if you had, if I asked you what your ultimate goal in cycling is, so like you're immersed here, you say you're working at a bike shop now, you're focusing more on, on the, the racing to, you know, be able to ride your bike a little bit more. What's the ultimate goal here? What are we looking at? Well, my ultimate goal when I started racing just was to 27, you start at 27. I'm already behind the eight ball according to the world of cycling, but my ultimate goal is just to race at the highest level I could possibly be at without ruining or without deterring from the relationships I've built in the past. Cycling is a brutal sport, and when you get to the point of sacrificing, you know, for your loved ones, uh, your family, it kind of becomes super, you know, selfish. I've kind of balanced that quite a bit to the point of where it's still stressful, but my wife you know, girlfriend too at the time, they, they kind of, you know, she understood where I wanted to be and that's the highest level and she really supported that. Um, she knew I wasn't going to be in it for, you know, 20 or 15 more years. So she, she really stood behind me. But I think there's, there's a little balance point there. Yeah, I love, I love that you bring that in because myself being a category one cyclist, like I said, you and I race a lot together. And I've got the same thing going on with uh, with a wife and with two kids. And I, I definitely agree with you that there is that balance there where you've got to look at the relationships that you've got and everything you've got, you know, on the table. And then you look at cycling and you fit that in as as you can. And you also need to be careful and be delicate with uh, with the cycling actually spilling over and ruining maybe some of the stuff that, uh, you know, that's near and dear to you and that you don't necessarily want ruined. And I agree with you. I think it still gets stressful. 
I think that it's good that it's stressful for us because that means that we're thinking about it. I've seen it where we have athletes that are running so hard at the cycling thing, they have no idea that they're leaving a wake of destruction in their path in terms of just ruining relationships and pretty much throwing everything else on the back burner, and they have no idea the damage that maybe they're doing to their families or to their friends, whereas opposed to, I think it's healthy that uh, that you and I, we have that tension there where we, okay, we're, we're going to go, we're going to go train, we're going to go do these things, but at the same time, we're always looking over our shoulder going, okay, are all of these other things still staying somewhat in balance so that we don't do any kind of irreparable damage and like you said, you know, hurt, you know, your, your loved ones and, and those relationships that you built. I think that's a great, uh, that's a great takeaway that somebody listening could probably hang on to because the reality is, is that some of us have jobs and have other things going on and not just the professional athlete thing going. And so I think that's, that's wonderful advice. Yeah, Mario, uh, my, my, so. my goal, my goals, you know, in cycling are also, you know, my wife's goals. They, you know, she, she supports my goals. It's kind of, you know, it's not just my own goals achieving this. She, she's make, you know, the relationship I built, but she's, you know, wanting to help me achieve those goals and to compete at the highest level. And, you know, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm still competing. I'm finally able to race my bike, and she's excited. You know, I'm accomplishing my goals now that I set forth. And that was one of the things we were going to talk about a little bit earlier. We'll go ahead and talk about it now, just the importance of having somebody that's supportive of you and what you're trying to do and the fact that, you know, the most important person in your life in terms of, you know, who that is, your wife, the fact that she supports you in that just makes things a whole lot easier on you as well to just keep everything in check. So that's awesome. What's been the evolution of your goals? Have your goals gone through an evolution maybe earlier when you were 27 to now being 36 and, and there in between? Has that undergone any kind of changes? I think that has a little bit. I think, you know, as younger, I didn't have too many goals in cycling. It's just to kind of, every goal is just to race as good as I could every year, just as strong as I could every year. This year, I would say my goals have changed, uh, and it's for purpose. And this is the first year that I've been able to do it. It's, the goal is, uh, to be honest with you, is to win, to win bike races this year. The only thing that it took for me to switch between a supportive role and just you know, being a team player to more of a leader and a winner, it, it, took, it took a long time. I think it did, and that I, I'm achieving those goals, and I have this this spirit now to, you know, win a bike race. I had the spirit to fight in the last corner. I had the spirit to risk it all, than just to work for someone. So my goal, my goals have changed. I, you know, always wanted to compete at the highest level. That doesn't necessarily mean it win at the highest level, but now, you know, I I, I can win. I I, I want to win. So the goals the goals have changed a little bit. You talked about a support role and you talked about now more of a leadership role. I'm going to I'm going to just put it more in plain terms. Support role, you would be setting somebody up to achieve that final result of winning and now shifting over to the leadership role where you're being set up to be the one that finishes it off and wins. And so talk to me about and you mentioned it briefly. I just want to tease it out a little bit further. Talk to me about the shift in mindset there when you're going from somebody who's more of a support role person, someone who sets up versus somebody who's closing out the deal and somebody who's, you know, coming across the line there with the win. Well, there's, there's a huge, there's a huge 
difference. You know, as you're, when you're a supportive roller role, all you have to do is your job, and that's to set the, you know, the, the winner up, if you will, the leader. And when you do it, when you accomplish it, it's, it's an amazing, amazing feeling. You know, you're part of a team. It's, it works out well. Uh, this year, I've taken on a little bit role just with our club, too, you know, leadership-type role, kind of, you know, this is what you should do. I put in the most miles. I do the hardest work. And the team has given me, you know, some support. So when I take when I take those in consideration, you know, I ha- I have more weight on my shoulder, if you will, to perform. And that weight is helping me push pedals down. If that were, you know, if I can say that, kind of be the case. It's helping me move faster. It's helping me move forward. Helping me go faster. I think the the difference between a worker. And a you know a leader there's there's not much physical difference it's purely mental it's you know risk it you you take a little bit more risk maybe you you act differently you know you feel differently it's it's mindset change it's just it's a straight up change you talked about risk a little bit earlier you talked about you're going into the last corner and now you're now you're fighting right in there to to get the to get the win to get the top spot it sounds to me like a leader has to be able to accept failure a little bit more than somebody who's playing a support role because you don't always win. Absolutely. But you don't win if you don't try. So you've you've got to put yourself in a position. That's that's step number one. You can't win if you're not near the person who's going to win if it's not you. But at the same time, if it doesn't work out, then that would be considered failure. And so it sounds like you know you're talking about taking risk and doing these things. You've got to start being more comfortable comfortable with the fact that hey i might not win but we need to find out is that is that an accurate assessment yeah yeah, you might not win but you know what you're doing absolutely everything to win and not you're not trying to win you know you're you're doing it it's 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 kind of something you just know you have to do and and if you if you don't win yeah it's a it's a bummer you know every race i've done this year and i haven't done well or haven't been able to fight for the top spot has been has been a you know, bummer, if you will, you know, because I know I can be there. So, and that weight is there. You know, everyone's like, oh, no, you had a good race. You know, you, you did well. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, I, I guess I did. And, you know, I would have done well in the past if that were my goal. But my goal isn't to, you know, get sixth or, you know, twelfth or whatever like this last week. And my goal is to win the group sprint or, you know, uh, yeah, sixth place is sweet and all, but uh, first is a lot better. Well, and that's you know, and that that's one of the that's one of the things where you know the podcast is called the Champion's Mind, and that's one of the things. A lot of times we will get congratulated by, and I, and I like to call them GP. I like to call them the general public. There's a lot of athletes that are you know you do you'll get a fifth, you'll get a sixth, and, and people will. The majority of folks will be, man, that that was great, you know, great job. And it's funny how those athletes that have a higher mentality, we have a higher mindset. We're 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 winners, we're champions, we're more focused on those kinds of things. We see things differently, and we look at the fifth and the sixth place, and and we say it's almost kind of a thanks, but no thanks. We'll we'll shake your hand, but we wanted better. And sometimes that comes across the wrong way. Sometimes I think. People that don't necessarily understand the mind of a champion, they think to themselves, wow, you know, I just went and shook so-and-so's hand because they got sixth place, you know, and they, 
I mean, they, they were kind of, I don't know if they were mad at me. And I mean, what, what was their problem? And it's not necessarily that we're upset with the person for congratulating us because we do, we, we're thankful for that. And we're thankful for people that support us. But at the same time, we're thinking about what could have been. And if it's not first, it could have been. And so we're like, oh, you know, there's something I could do better. There, there's something that I can improve upon. And so I'm not settling for a fifth or a sixth place. And a lot of times, you know, that rubs folks the wrong way that don't necessarily have that mindset and that mentality. It's shifted within the past uh, year for me to get that mentality, to get that mindset. Uh, I made I made that shift I made that shift occur, and to be honest with you, to give you a little shout out, thanks to Brett Crosby for that shift. Uh, one of the main reasons why to motivate me to make that make that commitment for that shift to occur. So. Brett Crosby, just because we're talking local folks here, I know Brett as well, and he is highly esteemed in the Dallas area. He's a little bit older than Mike and myself, but man, he is still fast, and he has a great attitude, and he is a great ambassador for Dallas area cycling and just uh, Texas cycling in general. He's one that uh, if you're not if you're not first or last, and he will give it everything he's got, and then kind of you know look and see where the chips may fall. And so Mario, uh, he gave me a, a little poster that signed. He signed it for himself, which was great. He said, "Keep on trucking, la 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 la." Signed Brett. I have that in my house. It's my motivation. Definitely, you know, you've definitely had a mindset shift, which has just really allowed you to uh, just to ride and race a lot better. Let's be a little bit more specific about what's been different this year. Can you give us some things, some tangible things? What's been different this year versus last year in terms of some of the stuff that you do? So now I want to actually talk about maybe habits or or, or stuff like that, just day-to-day things that you're doing differently. So last last year, I didn't race my bike at all last year. I raced, I worked full-time and it was horrible. So we can go to the year before that. Okay. Um, if you want. I think that this year I changed a lot was just kind of foreseeing and positive thinking going over the race before the race occurs in my head, how it's going to play out, how I'm going to race in the race, kind of making the race happen in my head multiple times before a race weekend to play out all the scenarios. And I do this before I go to bed a lot of times and I actually dream dream about racing and this this is the first year this has been the first year that I've dreamt about winning a bike race and that has never occurred never occurred to me up until this point and the bike race I did win which is the Thursday night race here the fun one I dreamt about it the night before the the exact same way how it went down so I I, I think it was and it could the, the race could not have gone down any other way I just wouldn't, it just wouldn't have been allowed to occur that way. So I think just the positive thinking, I've changed the mental preparedness for a big event, knowing that I'm strong, knowing that I'm mentally prepared to make decisions where I have to make them, and just then just go out and accomplish those things that I've been studying the past, you know, week in my head. I'm going to camp on that because I love to hear that kind of stuff. There's so a lot of people that don't know a lot about just the area of sports psychology in general. I've talked with athletes and I tell them that 
when they do something like visualization, which is essentially what you're doing when you're when you're closing your eyes and you're dreaming and you're thinking about races, I tell them to be as vivid as possible. Our imaginations and our minds are very vivid. We can get details, I mean, down to the most minor detail of pretty much anything that you choose to focus your attention on. And so when I tell them to think about races or think about training or pretty much anything, I tell them just get down to the just the minutia of everything. And the fact that you're sharing a story where you close your eyes and you're dreaming about this particular race and you're envisioning everything that is going to happen. And then on that particular Thursday, it happens exactly as you were envisioning it. A lot of people would say that is just strictly a coincidence. That's that's luck or they would they would have some term for it where it, it just it just happened there wasn't really anything that was that that you could have done but yet at the same time i mean they don't understand that when you have a plan in place you can execute that plan because you know exactly what's going to happen and the fact of the matter is is again just going to those athletes that have an elevated mindset a lot of times if you're lining up with 100 guys in a bike race there's probably only about seven, eight, nine guys that actually know what's going to happen during the race, or they're actually going to try and impose their will on that particular event. And so the other guys are just following. I mean, we, we call it, so for those that don't know cycling, we just call it following wheels. They just follow people around, and they just, as long as they can stay on the wheel in front of them, they're going to do whatever the guy in front of them does. And and there's only really, you know, eight to ten guys that are actually racing their bikes and actually have a plan, like, I'm going to do this and this and this, and it's not a coincidence. Those folks are the ones that generally tend to be near the front when, you know, it's go time and when it's time to achieve a result. And so I love when people share those kinds of stories that it happened exactly how I had imagined it, because it's not a coincidence. There was some there was bumps right now. What's that? It gives me goosebumps as even thinking about it again. Yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome when it when it goes down like you thought it was going to go down, and then, and then you know of course on the other side you're going to have your critics. Uh, your critics are going to say, well, you know, la la. How, I mean, how many times has it happened? And and, and I mean th- this th- yeah, this may be the only time, right? But I mean, it's kind of like the same thing in golf. I mean, let me hit a hole in one, and I'll be back next week, even if I even if I play terrible the rest of the round, right? I mean, that one time is enough to to keep me hanging on until it happens again, because. If you're if you got a positive mindset, like you said, you're thinking I'm going to keep doing this because it's going to happen again. Well, I mean, this is this is something that can be replicated, right? It has to happen again. It will. There's not. There's no. There's no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. I love. I love it. I love it. And yeah, that's that's awesome. So you know, thank you for sharing that and just having confidence, right? And just no, like you said, you're knowing that you can do these things. You're knowing that you've done the training, so you're you're going to these events and you're going. I I know that the things that I want to do are possible now, uh, which is just, and again, it's it's revolutionary for someone who hasn't done it before because some folks they just they don't necessarily have confidence in their skills, um, and so they've never really taken it to that level. And once you do, you realize, man, this this is good stuff, and this stuff actually works and can actually make a difference in terms of how I perform. So I have never done it until this year. Glad to hear it. Has your outlook towards the the entire sport of cycling has it changed at all? You think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It has. the The game has changed for me. My my outlook, 
you know, I'm able now to just, I'm able to race first stuff um, and make decisions in races that I've never been able to do. But yeah, I can, I can, I'm happier now where I'm at, obviously. Um, I, I don't think it's just a, it was not, it's not just a physical change. It's definitely a mental change. Yeah, I, I would, I would say it's for the better. Thanks for listening to A Champion's Mind. As you continue to implement the content discussed here, you'll move closer and closer to performing at your utmost potential. Keep challenging yourself and don't settle until you achieve your goals. If you can't wait until the next episode to do some more work on your mental game, head over to utmostperformance.org where you can find some more content to consume. You can also like our Facebook page, Utmost Performance. We sincerely value your support as we continue to partner together to help you perform at your utmost.